This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. I want to welcome you from every single place where you're watching from, outside Nigeria and within Nigeria. It's exciting to be able to share God's Word with you. I want to sincerely thank our pastors, Pastor Shala and Abigail Oshubakide, for the opportunity to share God's word with you today. Um, let us say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for the privilege to be able to share and hear your word. Thank you because you would minister to us personally today. And Lord, we thank you because we'll be tremendously blessed. Our lives will be upgraded. And Lord, we thank you. We worship your majesty. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you're joining us for the very first time today, we'd like you to visit our website and get other messages preached in this ministry, especially the messages preached by our pastor, Pastor Shalal Shemakinde remarkable words from God that you would hear. Um, this evening, um, I want to share with us on what um, we've titled Thriving in Uncertainty. Thriving in Uncertainty. Now, it is no news that we're living in a season where the world is going through crisis. It is no news. I mean, all you need to do to know that, in case you are unaware, is to simply turn on your television and put on any news station. And you will see it there. I mean, we're going through crisis. The world is going through crisis. And with crisis comes fear, comes trauma, comes depression. You know, with crisis comes recession. With crisis comes despair, frustration, anxiety, hopelessness. With crisis comes uncertainty. Praise God. With crisis comes uncertainty. According to the dictionary, the word uncertainty can be defined as a situation which something is not known. Uncertainty can be defined as a lack of sureness about something or someone. Uncertainty can be defined as lack of conviction or knowledge about certain outcomes and results. I mean... Prior to the emergence, all right, all over the world of what we call the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, maybe people were sure about certain things, right? People had made different business projections, personal projections, had different plans set in motion, you know, got into 2020, excited about the year, and, you know, expecting certain things to happen because there are certain actions that you had already determined to take, and you knew the results that would come forth from taking such actions. But you know, the interesting thing is that with the coming of what we call the COVID-19 pandemic, the world has just been thrown into a lot of uncertainty, and justifiably so. You know, I was listening to the news yesterday, and the IMF chief economist by the name Gita Gopinath, she was talking and she said that, there is profound uncertainty about the global economic recovery. 
And you know, when experts begin to talk that way, it's because they've seen and observed certain facts. You know, lots of economic uncertainty happening, even health uncertainty. Just before I came into service this afternoon, heard of a very popular name that passed on from the COVID-19 pandemic. And you have people panicking everywhere, fear in different quarters. You know, the businesses um, of various nations are shutting down. Different plans that they've had have been shred to pieces. You know, the pandemic has caused lost, lots of job losses. And we're talking about recession and maybe even a depression in lots of economies all over the world. Um, as of this morning, I was reading in the news that the Nigerian you know, inflation rates have jumped 12.4% high. I mean, the highest in over two years. You know, the poverty index has risen 69%. Nigeria, speaking specifically to Nigeria now. I mean, but the interesting thing is that what is happening in Nigeria is happening in different places in the world. I mean, you watch the news, you read the news, you see that the world as an entity is experiencing crisis and uncertainty. People are experiencing what we call slashing salaries. You know, the health situation is looking pretty bad. You know, world over, food items have gone up in terms of the price. And, you know, exchange rate is going up. Transportation prices going up. And, you know, just a lot of uncertainty everywhere. The experts do not know what to do. I've been privileged to be at certain business meetings and what you hear people talk about is surviving. Nobody's even talking about thriving. So you hear in business meetings, people saying, you know what, we just want to survive 2020 and maybe possibly survive 2021 and toward the end of 2021, 2022, thereby start to think about making some profit. You know, and you know, people are saying very vocally that there are no answers. No one has the answers. No one has the answers. I've heard that said lots in lots of meetings I've been to. But you know, the interesting thing is that to thrive, according to the dictionary, is to do well, to flourish, to prosper, to grow. It means to gain wealth, to make progress. It means to realize a goal despite the circumstances. You know, to thrive means to do well regardless of the circumstances. But you know, the interesting thing is that thriving has become a foreign language in the world today. People are talking about the world being in a situation called the VUCA world, V-U-C-A. A lot of volatility happening, a lot of uncertainty happening, you know, a lot of complexities happening, a lot of ambiguity happening. But you know, the truth is that even though the world is talking about this, the scripture already predicted that in the last days, there are certain things that would happen. And it includes crisis. The world being in crisis includes the world being in darkness. The world being clueless about the situation of what they are faced with. But you know, the interesting thing is that as believers and as Christians, God's expectation is that regardless of the crisis, God wants us to thrive. God wants us to do well. God wants us to prosper. 
God wants us to grow. God wants us to make progress. So even though the world might be saying crisis, for God's people, God's plan is that we thrive and do well. Now, in the book of John chapter 16, John chapter 16, John chapter 16, verse 33, you know, whenever I'm faced with a challenge, or I'm faced with a situation that I might not have experienced before, I always look to the word of God, which is what every believer must do. Why? Because God's word is God's manual for our living. God's word is God's manual, telling us and teaching us how to live. Now, the Bible says in the book of John 16, 33, and if you have a Bible that is exactly like mine, those words will be written in red. Why? Because Jesus said these words himself. Jesus said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in the world, that in me rather, ye might have peace. In the world, ye have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, I want to read the same verse to you in the Amplified Version of the Bible, all right? The Amplified Version of the Bible says, Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration. That is the very definition of crisis. Be of good cheer, Jesus says, Take courage, be confident, be certain. So while there is a lot of uncertainty around, you can be certain based on what Jesus is saying. He says, be certain, be undaunted, for I have overcome the world, I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I've conquered it for you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Meaning that while the world is talking about uncertainty, for the child of God, we have a certainty, all right? We have a certainty. God's plan is for us to thrive. God's plan is for us to do well, regardless of the situation, regardless of what is happening all around us. You know, Jesus was speaking here and says, in me, you have peace. In me, you have peace. You know, when I read this verse, I'm reminded of that very beautiful song written by one of our brothers, Andre Crouch who says Jesus is the answer for the world today. He says, above me, there is no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer to every crisis. Hallelujah. Jesus is the answer to every crisis. Jesus is the answer to every uncertainty. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you know, when you go through the Bible, you begin to find out God's plan for his children in the time of crisis. Because God has a plan. He has a way. He has a way. You know, the Bible says that he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. You know, when you understand God's ways, you experience God's acts. God has a plan. God has a way for his children to thrive regardless of the uncertainty that is beclouding the whole earth. Praise the Lord. You know, and one thing you must know is that crisis is not new. You know, the world has always faced crisis, right from Bible days, you know, right from the time of Abraham. The Bible says that on Abraham, there was famine. You know, Genesis chapter 12, there was famine in the land and Abraham went to Egypt. 
You know, after Abraham departed the sin, Isaac, his son, came to the sin. And the Bible says again, Genesis 26, there was famine. And you know, famine is a time of crisis, lack of food. Praise the Lord. There was famine, Genesis 26, if you read from verse 1 to 6, describes that there was famine just like it was in the days of Abraham. But the interesting thing was that in that time of famine, what did Isaac do? The Bible says that God told Isaac that do not go to Egypt because Abraham, Isaac rather, wanted to do exactly what his father Abraham did. And God said, no, 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 do not go to Egypt. Stay in this land for I have a plan for you. And the Bible says Isaac stayed in that land. And if you read verse 12 to 14, the Bible talks about Isaac sowing in the same land where there was famine. Same land. Same land where there was famine. Isaac sowed in that land. And the Bible says that Isaac waxed great and went forward and became so great that the whole Philistines began to envy him because his results were different. This guy was operating under another economy. He was operating God's way. Praise the Lord. He was operating God's way. Joseph also faced crisis. There was scarcity in all the land. But God gave Joseph the strategy to manage the crisis. People have always faced crisis. The world has always faced crisis. But there has always been a way out. And if you look in the word of God, you discover that way. Now, I want us to look at the book of Luke. Isn't it interesting? Look at the book of Luke. <laughs> Look into the book of Luke, chapter 5. And I want to read a few verses to us. And I want us to have our discussions around these few verses. Luke, chapter 5. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Genesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake. How many ships did he see? Two. Standing by what? The lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Meaning these guys had worked. And I mean work was over. So they were washing their nets. Getting rid of all the debris and any grass or anything that might have gotten into the net. By virtue of what they had gone to do. Which was of course fishing. And the Bible says, verse 3, And he, that's talking about Jesus, entered into one of the ships. Remember, there were two ships. Jesus entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would trust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Verses 4, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> Jesus will owe no man. He used Simon's ship, so it was time to pay Simon back for using his ship. <laughs> he said, look at Simon, and this was what Jesus said. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Now, this is the interesting part. Verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Isn't, isn't this interesting? This was a man facing crisis. <laughs> Verse 5, he says, 
says, Master, we have told all night. That means Simon and his friends had gone and tried fishing all night. And the Bible says very clearly, Simon speaking, he says, and we caught nothing. Nothing means nothing, nothing, not even one fish was caught. He says, we told all night. And remember, these were erudite fishermen, fishermen who knew their craft, knew their trade, knew what to do. They know that the best time to fish would be when the water is cool, the fishes will come to the surface, and so it's easier to catch the fishes then. So these guys were experts at their business. And see, this was not fishing for subsistence purposes. They were not fishing to go eat at home. They were fishing to sell. The Bible calls them fishermen. This was, was their business. This was their work. And they said, we've told all night, based on our expert judgment, our expert opinion, everything's failed. We caught nothing. Nothing at all. We did not even catch one fish. He says, well, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their nets break. Verse 7, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. That was when they stopped. So they did not stop fishing because the fishes were finished from the lake. <laughs> they stopped fishing because there was nowhere else to place the fishes they were catching. I mean, what would have happened? These guys were speaking as experts. And if you read these verses very carefully, you see that Simon said, we have told all night. But when it was time to act on the word, Simon said, nevertheless, I will, I will let down the net. Because I'm sure Simon looked at his colleagues and his colleagues said, are you crazy? We've used our expert opinion to decipher and deduce that there is no more fish in this lake. He says, however, well, if you want to go fish, you can try. And Simon dared to believe. Simon said, nevertheless, at thy word. I like that. I like the words of Simon. He says, nevertheless, at thy word. Meaning that when I look at the situation, I look at everything happening. I look at the situation of the lake. <laughs> when I look at the situation of the country, the situation of the world, I look at maybe my own circumstances. I might have been impacted somehow or so, from, from the things happening around. When I look at all of this and I look at your word, Simon said, well, from what I would say is that your word is never the less. That means when you compare the word with the circumstances, the word of God is never going to be the less. The circumstance will be the less. Hallelujah. The circumstance will be the less. Meaning that if you build your life on the word, you can be guaranteed of results. Because the word of God is certain. The word of God is the certain element in the midst of uncertainty. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us how the results went. 
He says, I mean, they caught so much fish, their net began to break. They beckoned on to their colleagues and partners. These guys were smart guys. They were not going to eat alone. They beckoned on to their partners, says, hey, guys, please come. And these guys, of course, went to join him. And dash, they, they packed so much fish, their ships began to sink. That was when they stopped. Meaning that if Simon and his colleagues had 5,000 ships, all of those ships would be filled with fishes. That's what it means. The ships did not stop, because the, rather, the fishes did not stop coming because there was no more fish. It stopped coming because there was nowhere else to place the fishes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Nevertheless, at thy word. God's word is nevertheless. God's word is nevertheless. God's word is nevertheless. God's word is nevertheless. And so I am not surprised. That in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. We begin to read the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, Whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them. He says, I would liken that person to a wise man. He says, because he says the wind will come, the, the rains would fall, everything would happen. He says, but the person's house would not go flat. Why? He says, because the house is built upon the rock. The rock is the word of God. Hallelujah. When you build your life on the word of God, you can be certain of the outcomes of your life. You are not living life according to chance anymore. You are living life based on a certain word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your results begin to beat the imaginations of others. Praise God. So what do you do to thrive in uncertainty? Number one, hear the word. Hear the word. And to hear the word, you must prioritize the word in your life. Prioritize the word. Prioritize the written word of God. Prioritize the written word of God. Prioritize the, the, the spoken word of God. You see, this is not the time to stop fellowshipping with God because of the things happening around and tuning into the philosophies of men. You know, now you have lots of philosophers around. People looking and saying, ah, life is not fair. We don't even know what would happen. Hey, as a believer, you shouldn't speak that way. This is the time to speak like a victor that you are. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the first thing to do is to hear God's word. That was what Simon did. He listened to God's word. Jesus said, launch out. And Simon did exactly what Jesus said, and he got results. You know, the interesting thing is that it is dangerous to base your life on logic. Dangerous. Because there are two kinds of knowledge. Two kinds of knowledge. The first is what we call sense knowledge. Sense knowledge. That's knowledge acquired through the five senses. The sense of touch, smell, hearing, and all of that. The sense knowledge. Right? So if you read the news, you see things. All right? You hear what's happening in the world. You see what's happening in the world. You might have even felt some of the things happening in the world. Sense knowledge. Knowledge coming to us through our senses. The second kind of knowledge is what we call revelation knowledge. This is knowledge that comes to us from God. Knowledge that comes to us from God. The word of God is revelation knowledge. Hallelujah. And folks, the truth is that revelation knowledge is nevertheless <laughs> than sense knowledge. Revelation knowledge is superior to sense knowledge. And a lot of times, revelation knowledge would always be diametrically opposed 
to sense knowledge. Praise the Lord. It's always diametrically opposed. You see, the word of God is truth. The revelation we receive from God is the truth. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. The word of God is the truth. The truth. The truth. You know, in John chapter 14, verse 6, the Bible speaking, and if you have the same kind of Bible that I have, you discover the words are also in red. Because Jesus said these words himself. He says that I am the way. He didn't say I am a way. He says I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I am a way, a truth, and a life. No, 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 no. He says I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means the word of God should be the truth for every believer. What is the truth about your life? What is the truth about your circumstance? It is what the word of God is saying. I know that there is this philosophy going around now. I mean, and you hear people say, well, I am saying my truth. And what they are talking about is jargons, right? They are saying my truth. <laughs> they, are they are talking about the facts of their lives as their own truth. Brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. The Bible is the truth. The word of God is the truth. That is the only truth. Any other thing is a fact. And facts can change. Because truth has the capacity to change facts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the word of God is the truth. Let the word of God become your philosophy. Let the word of God become your thinking. Let the word of God define the realities of your life. Because your reality is always a product of your mentality. Let the word of God be your thinking. Let the word of God be your mentality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not the facts that are happening in the environment. Praise the Lord. Because the devil is at will to manipulate the environment. But you see, the word of God is the truth. Is the truth. And you see, the word of God has the capacity and the ability to change the facts of a man's life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the first thing to do is to hear the word and build your life on the word. Let the word get your attention. You see, as you pray, listen to the, what the Spirit of God is going to bring to your consciousness as His Word. As you pray, listen to what God's Spirit will say to you. As you study God's Word, this is no time to be far away from the Word. This is no time to become despondent because of what is happening around. Say, hey, we do not know what is happening. No, that is not the way a believer talks. A believer speaks from the Word, regardless of the situation. In fact, regardless of your own situation. You know, I've heard people say, and I would always say, you know, people say that experience is the best teacher. Uh, the truth is, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. And the textbook of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Experience is not the best teacher. Even your own experience is not the best teacher. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Word of God must become your mentality. And let it define the possibilities of your life. The second thing to do after hearing God's word and prioritizing God's word is to do God's word. Do God's word. Now, if you open your Bibles to Isaiah 60, remember Peter did not only hear what Jesus said. The Bible says, Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I would, and he went to do it. It didn't make sense, but he went to do it. And then he got the results. Question, what would have happened if Peter never did anything based on what God's word that came to him said? 
Peter would have had no results. So the Bible says in Isaiah 60, verse 1, I like this portion of the Bible, Isaiah 61. He says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. He says, For behold, verse 2, he says, The darkness shall cover the earth. Can you see it? The Bible already said this many years ago. I mean, thousands of years ago. He says, The darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Let's go back to verse 1. He says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. Remember that the Bible in the book of Psalms, all right, Psalms chapter 119, verses 130. Psalms 119-130. He says, The entrance of thy word giveth light. So God's word can be likened to light. Amen. Amen. God's word is light, actually. So you see, so he says here, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. What light has come? The word has come. Praise the Lord. But you see, the when the word comes, until you arise, you will not shine. So you see, your shining is in arising based on the word, the light that has come. So after you hear God's word, the next thing to do is to arise. That is when you will shine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord spoke to my heart some years, some, some days back actually, not years back, some days back. You know, I was studying this portion and just praying. And he says, Joshua, your shining is based on the light you receive and arise with. He says, your shining is based on the light you receive and arise with. So it is not enough to receive the light. You must arise with that light to experience the shining effect. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So after you receive God's word, what do you do? Do the word. Do the word. Do the word. I perceive very strongly that we are in the glorious seasons of the church. You see, as everything is getting darker all over the world, I want you to know that God is speaking to his people. He's inspiring his people. And you see, God's word can either be Rema or Logos, right? It can be an idea, a thought. Maybe that thought is to start a business. And you're thinking, with everything that is happening, businesses declaring, <laughs> you know, losses. You're telling me to start a business. Brothers and sisters, if that is what God is telling you to do, do it. Do it. Do it. Because that is where your shining is. That is God's strategy for the last days. This is our finest hour as the church. Regardless of what is happening around, all the uncertainties that is happening around, I want you to know that this is the season of the church to shine. This is the season of the church to shine. So, brothers and sisters, as you receive God's word, make sure you do God's word. Run with the word. Run with the word. And I can assure you, just like Peter, you will come back with a testimony. You will come back with results that would amaze you and amaze the people that are around you. Because, you know, remember the Bible tells us that Peter had to call to his partners. Amen. Had to call to his partners. Now, as I conclude, it's important to mention to us that, you see, our thriving in these uncertain times, right, is not only because God wants to immune us to what is happening in the environment. The truth is, the bigger picture for God is to make us a solution to the problems of the world. That is the bigger picture. 
And you know, a mentor of mine usually says that he, it is only he that is well that can donate blood. <laughs> so it's he that is well. So the first thing is that regardless of what is happening now, receive God's word, run with God's word, and when you begin to experience results, what would happen is that those results would be too big for only you to consume. So what happens is that you begin to call people that have experienced the crisis too. Remember, Peter's colleagues were also fishless. You begin to call other people to come and experience what you are experiencing. Because God's bigger picture is to make us solutions to the problems of the world. We are the solution to the crisis. We are the solution to the crisis. Are you listening to me? Saints, we are the solution to the crisis. See, you know, for a very long time, whenever people preach or teach from the book of Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 44, and that's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. You know, the Bible tells us about this woman. For 12 years, she had an issue of blood. She was bleeding 12 years. But the Bible says one day she made up her mind that she was going to go touch Jesus. And the Bible says that as she touched Jesus, you know, she got healed. What physicians, experts, the same way experts, and uh, they're doing their best. And we, we applaud them for the things they are doing. But in certain situations, they might not be able to help. You know, this woman had spent a lot on experts. But you see, it got to a particular day. She said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And the Bible tells us that she came and she touched Jesus and she was made whole. You know, for a long time, when we preach and we teach and we talk or meditate on this portion of the Bible, we see ourselves as the woman with the issue of blood that is touching Jesus to get the miracle. <laughs> but you know, the interesting thing, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You see, before Jesus died, we were the woman with the issue of blood. Yes. But you see, after Jesus died, we are no longer the woman with the issue of blood trying to touch Jesus. We have become one with Jesus that the world is trying to touch. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. We are the ones with the answer. We are the ones with the solution that the world should touch and get healed from. Hallelujah. The reason why there is a lot of decadence is because a lot of God's children have not arisen. As we begin to arise, we begin to prefer solutions to the world. We are the Jesus the world is trying to touch. Why? Because the same 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 now says that now we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador means? An ambassador is a representative. Someone who is representing God on earth. Praise the Lord. You see, when you have an ambassador, regardless of what's happening in Nigeria, I can assure you, the ambassador of the U.S. to Nigeria is not experiencing what we're experiencing. He is living in his house. He's eating American food in Nigeria. I mean, if you are chasing a criminal, and that criminal is able to get into the house of the ambassador, in fact, the compound of the ambassador, they would, they, they, whoever is chasing that criminal will stop and would have to ask permission and ask the ambassador to release the person to them. You know why? Because even though he's in Nigeria, everything about him is America. I mean, his compound is America. His building is America. His, everything, his office is America in Nigeria. And that's the same way we are. We are on the face of the earth, but we must understand that the day we gave our lives to Christ, we are citizens of another kingdom. 
We became citizens of heaven. We are only sojourning here. So you see, we enjoy the benefits of the kingdom in the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we are the ones supposed to extend the healings to the world. We are the solution to the crisis that the world is feeling. We are the solution to all the uncertainty that the world is feeling. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. By standing on the veracity of God's word and by listening and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we become the answer to the solutions of men. You know, that's why the Bible in Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah 8 verse 11 to 13, Isaiah 8, 11 to 13, he says that do, do, do not act like these people. He says, do not say what they are saying. You see, they are saying a confederacy. They do not say a confederacy the same way they are saying a confederacy. You know what a confederacy means? It means hardness. He says, do not say things are hard the same way they are saying things are hard. Hallelujah. He says, do not fear their fear. Do not be afraid of the same thing that people are afraid of. He says, because make God your fear, because you are of a different species. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You are a different species. You see, we are not only going to thrive, we are also the solution to the problems of humanity. Regardless of what God told you at the beginning of the year, I want you to know that 2020 is still a great year. 2020 is still our year of mercy. Whatever God told you at the beginning of the year, as you were getting into 2020, or earlier in the year, all those great things that he told you, I want you to not lose hope and forsake them and embrace timidity. I want you to hold on to God's word. Hold on to God's word. Hold on to God's word. It is still our year of mercy. And mercy is not only being saved from danger. Mercy is also experiencing a quantum leap, folks. Hallelujah. Regardless of what God told, God told you, I want you to know that no situation is bigger than what God has said. No situation is bigger. The Bible says in the book of Job, chapter 22, the 29th verse, it says, when men say there is a casting down, <laughs> that is the time when we say there is a lifting up, because that is the language of the saints. That is when we declare boldly there is a lifting up. You might look all around you and it does not look like there is a lifting up, but I want to tell you that is how to experience the lifting up, by holding on to God's word and keep declaring it, keep meditating on it, keep doing whatever comes to your heart as prompted by the Holy Spirit, and you begin to experience a different result. For the Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 4, 5 rather, 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5, it says that it says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. He says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I like verse 5. Verse 5 says, who is he that overcometh the world? You know, asking a question. And the answer is straightforward. He says, is he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Meaning that he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God is not only immune to the uncertainties and the crisis in the world, but that person can also be a savior. For the Bible declares very boldly about us. It says, saviors shall arise from Mount Zion. Obadiah 21. It says, saviors shall arise from Mount Zion. Saints, let's stop thinking as victims. And let's start thinking as victors. Let's hold on to the word of God. Let's run with the word of God. And I can assure you there is only one result. The result is predictable. And that result would be positives. 
things that would marvel, cause people to marvel, cause people to dance, and cause people to rejoice, and cause people to declare very boldly that our God is great and there is none like him. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, I want you to just lift up your hands toward heaven and say, Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for certainty in the midst of uncertainty. Thank you, Jesus, because I understand that your will for me is to thrive and not only survive the times, but thrive, do well, make progress, go forward, experience growth, experience results that will marvel people. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I rejoice at your word. I'm excited at your word. And I say, blessed be your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you excited? Hallelujah. I ask you to follow all our social media platforms and you will be tremendously blessed, not only by the messages or by the links to the various wonderful articles and the other write-ups that we have, but so that you can follow the news and know exactly what is happening in and with the household of David. God bless you. See you on Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your week and have a blessed 2020. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And from today, I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late. You are born again. You are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. And if you want to contact us, just check. The address is written on the screen. God bless you. We love you. God bless you.